sure. Welcome to the I'm So Sure podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Kelly. And this is Scott Benson. And we're going to be talking about one of our favorite subjects today, Duran Duran. Well, it's more your favorite subject. I love Duran Duran, but not to the level that you do. What is that level? Um, I can't even quantify it with a number. <laughs> anyway, yes, it's true. I'm a giant Durani, and I have been for years. And um, that's one of the reasons why Scott and I became friends way back in high school. Like, we talked about on our very first episode how we sort of bonded over Prince. Mm -hmm. But I remember being very impressed with you when I found out that you liked Duran Duran. Yeah, I didn't have MTV until, like, just before we met, which was, like, 84. Sad, sad, So I discovered Duran Duran through, um, like, video compilation that had come out a couple years before. Picture this? Yeah. Was that Picture Music. Picture Music, yeah. And they were featured on that, and I was just loved all the videos on there because I hadn't really seen MTV, and then I thought they were, they stood out way beyond that. And then I got their um, video album. The that, first 11 videos. The first 11 videos on video. The disc. Grammy Award winning yeah. video compilation. And so I played that all the time and was really familiar with all their stuff and had all their CDs, or I had all their cassettes at the cassettes. time. Yeah. Well, the first thing I ever got by them was it was a KTEL compilation called The Beat. It was a new wave compilation that they were on. Girls on Film was on it. And that was the first time I ever heard them. And then the first thing I ever bought by them was the album Rio because Durant or uh, MTV was playing Planet Earth, Girls on Film, which are from the first album, and then they were playing Hungry Like the Wolf, and that was starting to get very popular, and I had remembered that I liked the song from the Beat compilation, and I remember when I brought home the, the vinyl album of Rio, and I listened to it, I just thought it was so incredible, and I had, at that point, point in time I think really the only other group I had ever really connected with and that I was loving was um were the Go-Go's I loved Beauty and the Beat so um Duran Duran was my um second favorite I mean not second behind Go-Go I like liked them equally as much as the Go-Go's so years later, when um, Belinda Carlisle did her solo album, I remember watching the world premiere of the video of Mad About You, and Andy Taylor from Duran Duran plays the guitar on that song. And when he appeared in the... Because I had no idea he was on that song. It was like my two worlds were colliding. And I remember screaming when I saw him, and my mom came running in the room. Oh my God, what's wrong? And I was like, Andy Taylor's on Belinda Carlisle's video. Oh my God. And she just turned around and left the room. That sounds about right. That's like a, a collision of two of my favorite things that I freaked out over when on uh, the television show Desperate Housewives, 
when for a period of time Marsha Cross, Ugh. who was on Melrose Place, no one cares. and Kyle MacLachlan, who was on Twin Peaks, were married on the show, and I was like, it's the best of both worlds. But anyway, back to Duran Duran, Kevin. I hope you've got the your editing button working, your oh, editing finger. Believe me, I edit it just the way I want it to be. Eh. And if I need to drop in any if I need to drink. Twin Peaks Twin references, Peaks. I will. Ugh. Anyway, so Duran Duran. Um, the first time we ever saw them in concert was the first time Duran Duran ever came to Indianapolis was July 7th, 1987. And we were so excited. It was their um, tour for Notorious. Mm-hmm. It was called the Strange Behavior Tour. And we, um, I remember we woke up the day the tickets went on sale. We woke up at about four or five in the morning. Didn't we have to go to? You no, know, we. There's this record store here in Indianapolis. Um, Mostly it, known for drug paraphernalia. It's a horrible been. record store, and I wasn't even allowed to go there as a child. Um, but uh, yeah, it's called. It was not a very good record store, but that was the place that everybody bought tickets. So there were all these kids waiting in line when we got there and we were like really because we're bigger fans than you yeah they were all like just fair weather fans that would just go to any show it didn't matter remember that girl who she had a john taylor fedora and she had a big bottle of avion and i i wanted just to take that avion bottle and just dump it on her well at least she was trying to be a fan but she was i'm sure she's not a fan to the same level you are right now in comparison correct so. so my friend um, Carol, that I um, she's been one of my best friends like all through middle school and high school. She was a giant Duran Duran fan too, and we used to trade like you know pictures and cut, cut pictures out of magazines, and you know we'd be like, oh, I have that picture, but I need that picture. And well, what was her thing about when you had something that was like a big coup? She had it, but only in a smaller version. Yeah, like if you have a full page at or a print or if a I poster. had like if I had a poster of something, she'd say, "Oh, I have that, but in a smaller version." Mm-hmm. So. I'm so sure. Oh, I love Carol. She no, might be listening. I to don't know. She Carol's a sweet girl. Yeah, I'm still friends with her. Anyway, she lives in Colorado now. Hi, Carol. But anyway, um, yeah, so my mom was always very supportive of my Duran Duran habit and would take me to the record store whenever they had a new release and whenever, you know, they're on the cover of a magazine, like Sixteen magazine they were on the cover of a lot. Our favorite magazine, though, was Star Hits. which That was spectacular. It was the best magazine ever. I still have every issue and um, Duran Duran were just, they were on the cover all the time. And almost every issue had something about star hits. And it, or we, about Duran Duran. Yeah. We would, um, we had subscriptions to it, but we found out that they got it at Target before we would get it in the mail. So we could get it like a week early, which was fine because... I wanted an, an issue that I could keep in pristine condition, and then we had to have an issue that we could like cut up for scrapbooks or whatever. But um, we would go to Target. It was the Target and Nora. Mm-hmm. We would go over there after school. Like we knew the day that they were going to get it, and we would 
rush in there and we we were so competitive with each other that like we didn't want the other one to see the cover of Star Hits before the other one. Well, there was assault, physical assault to me at one point when we were trying to get that magazine. It was not a physical assault. I accidentally grabbed your arm because you were just practically running through the store. I grabbed your arm. It was winter and you had a cheap winter coat on. It was from a garage sale. It's from a garage sale. And I accidentally pulled a little too hard on the sleeve of your coat and it, it ripped it up at the seam. Well, and I felt horrible, but you didn't even care. If you felt that badly, we should have marched right over to the men's section. You could have bought me a replacement right there on the spot. <laughs> so I was just like, well, now you have a reason to get a new coat. Yeah, so, out of my own pocket, thanks. So I, you weren't hurting for any. I'm sure your mom bought you a new I'm coat. I'm sure she did. Yeah. But and I was really sorry about it. But Not- it'll teach you from trying to get to the star hits before me. Well. I mean, we were both there. And then, then like, oh, so we would look at the shelf with all the issues of the magazine and say they would have, like, 15 copies. And we would go through every single one and find the one that had the less, like, amount of, like, wrinkles or folds. Well, or it had to be one that no one had touched. touched. It had to be pristine. And then, so we would, like, walk through the store holding it, like, by the corner. I remember, too, being paranoid, like, when the checkout person would just be all haphazardly handling it and be like, could you be really careful don't throw that into the bag, and you don't dare buy anything else at the same time with it because it would smash your magazine and be like, this is not something that's going to get thrown away or in a week or something like that. This is a a keeper. Right. But I still have all those issues, and they're all pretty much in really good condition all these years later. I keep them in a big plastic tub. And if my house went up in flames, I would grab my cats, my Duran Duran collection, and my star hits, I think. Scott's shaking his head now. You I, have nothing to say? I have no response you to that. You have no response. <laughs> no, I understand. It's They're very valuable. Yeah, I mean, you're crazy about your things. I have let go of so much physical stuff. All I... Well, I'm sitting in Dodo Land studios here in Scott's boudoir. So what if I have 800 DVDs and Blu-rays? He'll buy any DVD or Blu-ray. What What did you just tell me that you had the complete series of? Breaking Bad. Uh, I, and I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. If it's not a show that has a laugh track or with people making snarky you're... faces towards the camera laughing at themselves, then you don't want to watch that show. Correct. That We went to go see a movie yesterday we saw the new Lily Tomlin movie, Grandma, which is really good. It's Go good. see it. What did we see a preview for? It was some serious movie coming out. Some period piece movie. I don't even remember what it was for. I think Meryl Streep's in it. Oh, Suffragette, about the women's struggle to be able to vote in London in like the nineteen early what 1900s it, or 1800s. What did I say at the end? You're like, well, that doesn't look very funny. It didn't. It didn't look well, so anyway, back to Duran Duran. Yeah. So, we have our favorite songs, we have our favorite albums, and we have our favorite videos. So, we'll start talking about what our favorite songs are. I would say we both agree <clears throat> that one of the most major moments in Duran Duran's history is the song, The Chauffeur. Yeah, that's the song. I think... 
uh, that made an impression on me, of course, because I was like a little 13-year-old boy and I saw the video for that and it was just like so well, stylish and titillating and shocking and shocking with its nudity and I was like well they're really cool I really like them I want to see what else they do and black even they're and not, white, black and white video that they're not even yeah in. they're not even in the video but I love the song in fact if I were to be hard-pressed to just name one song to listen to by Duran Duran for the rest of my life it would be the chauffeur it's my absolute favorite song by them so here's some trivia that I'm sure Scott knows, but Perry Lister, who is Billy Idol's girlfriend, and she's the girl in the White Wedding video, she is in the video for The Chauffeur. She is The Chauffeur. She's the one that steps out and does the topless mm -hmm. dance. She later had her own group in the 80s, a, a trio called Boomerang. I have no recollection of that. I have them in my iTunes. I'm they did sure. A, they did a cover of These Boots Are Made For Walking. Hmm. So, my favorite all-time Duran Duran single is I Don't Want Your Love from Big Thing. That song happens to be the jam. That album is probably my favorite, too. That's, I mean, it's really hard to pick a favorite. But, but that consistently is probably one of my favorite albums, if not my absolute favorite album by them as well, too, because there's not any songs that you don't want to listen to it when, you're, when you have it on. Right. And it's just, it's probably an album that um, the fans, like the diehard fans, obviously they've embraced it, but it's not one that you hear a lot about when you are hearing or reading about Duran Duran's history. I mean, it did well. And I Don't Want Your Love was a huge hit here mm -hmm. in America. But um, it just, I just remember everything sounded so digital. I. Like noise, cause I like waking up the house. Well, it's a real. It was a departure in their sound a little yeah. bit, and uh, taken as a whole album, it's definitely in a different direction than their previous. It was kind of albums. house music influenced, mm -hmm. and Duran Duran's always been like on the cutting edge. On the cutting edge of, uh, you know, not just jumping on a bandwagon. I would never say that, but it's they embrace what direction popular music is going in and taking the bits and pieces of it they like and adding it to their style and, you know, moving yeah. with the times. They always make it their own. Mm -hmm. They put their stamp on it. Well, that brings us to what's known to a lot of people in um, Duran Duran's history as being their big comeback, even though it was just... For us, they never really went away. Yeah, for us, they never went away. But it was in 1993, Ordinary World from the Wedding Album. It came on the heels of their album, Liberty, from, I think that was in 1990. That mm -hmm. it was probably their first album that didn't do well. They didn't even tour for that album. And it was kind of the first time that they had experienced non-success didn't it do better in outside the united states though a little bit i i don't think it yeah it wasn't violence of summer loves taking over Which was I the love. first single i love that too and then um serious was the second single mm -hmm. and serious has always been embraced by the fans in fact duran duran put it on their greatest compilation because the fans kind of demanded it. it. It's a wonderful song, but um, it wasn't a hit either. So it was like MTV had just lost interest with them at that point. And well, music was, the direction of popular music was changing. Yeah, and it just, um, 
didn't reach a wide audience, but, you know, the Duran the Duran fans are always there for them, and, you know, it reached the fans, but that was about it, I think. Mm-hmm. But Ordinary World is a beautiful song, and to this day, I cannot believe that that song was not nominated for a Grammy Award, because it totally sounds like a Grammy kind of song, and it was a huge hit all over the world, and... I don't know the the not that the Grammy Awards really even mean anything, but it seems like they always award the same kind of people over and over again. It'd be nice for Duran Duran with their body of work to be recognized in some way by the Grammys. Yeah. And they have been, like I said, they got they've been recognized with two Grammy Awards, I believe, for videos. But yeah, but like for their actual music. music. Yeah. Which I know the videos, it, they're not going to give an award for a great video to a song that's not good either. So Right. right. Unless it's a Tom Petty. <laughs> what? Uh, that was just something random. Very random. So we're kind of, we're going way out of order, but um, let's talk about Notorious. Notorious! This came on the heels of... When the, the band, new Duran Duran, the, the band had kind of fallen apart, and after Seven and the Ragged Tiger and Arena, um, John and Andy left the band to do a side project called The Power Station with Robert Palmer and Tony Thompson from Chic, and Bernard Edwards of Chic produced it. And then the remaining people, Simon, Laban, Nick Rhodes, and Roger Taylor made a wonderful album called So Red the Rose, and it was under the name Arcadia. And after those albums kind of ran their course, they were to come back together again. At that point, Roger had left the band. He just wanted to rest. He and wanted he to- was newly married and wanted to not be in the spotlight. And... John and Andy, they came back for it with Simon and Nick. And then throughout the recording, Andy Taylor just kind of disappeared and didn't. It, yeah, from all accounts, it sounds like his heart wasn't into it. And he was just kind of obligatorily um, participating, his, but not even that much. His, his name is in the album credits, not as a member of Duran Duran, but... Um, and I remember reading an interview when he had rejoined. They asked what he performed on Notorious, like what guitar parts were his, and he couldn't even remember. So it's just no one knows really. So I mean, I'm sure someone knows. They're just not telling. Mm-hmm. I think it was maybe just kind of a. A, a legal legal issues and it was just it was time for him to go he his heart was somewhere else and yeah his heart was like more interested in doing music for a mitch gaylord um gymnastics <laughs> movie apparently american anthem mm-hmm. which he had a he did have a top 40 single yeah, take it easy that's a fun song i guess you like it anyway Roger was gone, Andy was gone, Simon, John, and Nick were more than capable of carrying on, though, by themselves, and they did Notorious and Big Thing, and those were both great albums, 
but um, by the time their greatest hits, their first greatest hits album came along, Decade, they had Warren Cucurillo from Missing Persons had joined the band, and Sterling Campbell, who we knew as the drummer from Cindy Lauper's Change of Heart video, um, he joined the band, and then um, they recorded Liberty, and that was the album with Violence of Summer and Sirius, but Sterling wound up leaving the band, and then the, they continued with Warren for several years. Mm-hmm. So, But back to our list, our next favorite song would be A View to a Kill, which was the theme song to the James Bond movie. And I'm a big James Bond uh, fan. I love all the films and most of the theme songs. And in the canon of James Bond films, this is definitely the best one. And even on uh, other lists of of uh, James Bond aficionados, like this usually is very high up on their list as it's well. The, and so. it's the only James Bond theme to ever hit number one. Yeah, like some people think of the classics like Goldfinger and For Your Eyes Only, but the none of those were number one. Duran Duran's was number one. Yes. So that was that was a very big deal for them because they were all James Bond fans too. So and the video is fantastic. It's intersperses scenes from the actual movie with them on the same location. So they're on the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, they're on the Eiffel Tower, kind of seemingly interacting with Roger Moore, who looks about 116 years Aww. old, and Grace Jones. We love Grace Jones. Yeah, she's one of my all-time favorites. I can't wait to get her autobiography. That comes out in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's going to be really good. So we should also mention um, that Grace Jones appeared on the Arcadia album. I would have loved yeah. more actual full-on collaborations with her where she actually sang more equally that would have been interesting to see what kind of direction that would have gone. Yeah. It would have been neat if she could have, like, maybe done an album with, like, John and um, Nick maybe doing music and she could do the vocals. That would be an interesting combination, I think. Slave to the rhythm. They could actually do that now. She's... She's that, available. Yeah, she's available. Oh, We love Grace. Yeah. Put, Put some, some grace, grace, grace in your, your face. face. Another one of our favorite songs is The Reflex. Which would be their number one, their first number one song here in America. It seemed like it was number one for about 50 weeks. I think it was only number one for two weeks. But it was inescapable, though, during that year. What was that, 83? I don't know years. I guess we could have taken better notes here. But oh, well. It's going by our memory, so it's okay. The flex. Yeah, that song was always on MTV. It was always on the radio, on WZPL that we listened to all the time. Mm-hmm. And it was just on high rotation on our homemade cassette mixtapes. And it came, make. the 45 came in a poster sleeve, which was a first. Mm-hmm. So that was very exciting, too. And it was also my first cassette maxi single that I ever bought, which was the extended versions. Duran Duran always were really good about making what they called night versions, which were extended versions of their songs. Yeah, there was like a whole market of uh, dance music and extended versions that would play at nightclubs, and Duran Duran wanted to have versions of their early singles available to play in extended versions, but they weren't particularly 
savvy to the fact that you could just hand over the master tapes and, and give it to a remixer for them to extend the song and, and do additional production work. So they would basically go into the studio and re-record the whole song with new vo with vocals and longer breaks and extensions and turn a you know three minute song into a seven or eight minute song and just have to spend that whole time re-recording it which was kind of interesting and funny and and lots of bands <clears throat> released 12 inch singles of things and it was great for us as collectors because it was always fun to you know make sure that we got everything well that's when the obsession was really high because there'd be all different versions of these singles and 12 inches from all over the world and you had to cross check to make sure that what came out in America didn't have wasn't missing something that was available in another region and of course this was like you had to rely on star hits yeah I don't even resources. know how we knew yeah because there was no internet so yeah. you couldn't just fact check things and there was no definitive place to go to find out if these things were available and if you wanted to have everything it was really difficult well I remember during my record store days when I uh, when Notorious came out when um a second 12-inch single for, for Notorious came out, the Latin Rascals mix. And that was unheard of for, like, a second 12-inch single to come out. With all new mixes. Because I remember when I was, like, looking at the new release sheet from the, the record distributor, and I saw that, and I was just like, what? And, you know, it was so exciting. Yeah, at least you had a little bit of an in back at the yeah. time that you worked at a record store, so you did see catalogs of upcoming releases and stuff. But right. once you were no longer involved in that, and before the internet, it was really hard. Yeah. Those were the days. So, well, another very important song in Duran Duran's history would be Save a Prayer, which is from Rio. It's their ballad and um it's probably their most famous ballad other than ordinary world and my memories of besides the video which is just beautiful when they were shooting a whole bunch of videos in sri lanka um my main association with save a prayer is kind of funny because i always think of these two girls at the very first concert that we saw at market square arena back in 1987 and they had a little Candle. It was a girl and her mother. A girl and her mother, okay. And she had um, a little plate with um, aluminum foil all around it and a little candle. There was no plate. It was just a, it was a piece of tin foil and a votive candle in it. Oh. Well, I remember things my way. You can correct me if you choose. Anyway, in my memory, she had a little plate that held on to the candle. <laughs> there was no plate. It was a sad piece of wrinkled up tin foil with an old votive with in it. With a tea light. No, it was not even a tea light. It was like a vanilla votive candle. I guess she couldn't hold a lighter up because Save a Prayer is the kind of swinging song. a lighter along with the music for sure. One of my favorite things ever was um, Pet Shop Boys said in an interview that if anyone ever held up a lighter during one of their songs, during one of their concerts, the concert would be over and they would walk off stage. That sounds about right. But um, no, so there were lighters all over. The arena and a votive candle. Probably the only votive candle in the whole place. Yeah. I'm surprised you could never get that in through security now. No. No. That concert, remember I couldn't speak for like a day or two after mm -hmm. from all the screaming. And the hollering and all hollering the way through. And just crying and, <laughs> and now, belching then, and then, vomiting. Then later going to concerts, you would deride people that would behave that way and just like, shut up, I want to hear the music. But then True. when you first saw them, you well, couldn't help yourself. Okay, here's the deal. 
I'm short. How tall? I'm like five foot four. Going to a concert doesn't really work out for me. Because people stand up at concerts. They just stand there the whole time. And so I basically get to stare at someone's back. Unless I'm lucky enough to be in the front row. Which I've never been. So, yeah, I don't even want to go to concerts anymore because people just, they don't even know how to behave. Well, when I go to a concert, you're paying for a seat. So I'd like to use that seat and be able to sit my ass down and enjoy the show. Right. Yeah. But we're in a minority, so, oh well. Yeah, I don't want to see people dancing. I don't just get out of my face. Just get away from me. I want to sit here and enjoy the show. I'm not the performer. I shouldn't have to move. I shouldn't have to move an inch. And that's the other thing. I don't want to travel either. I'm not on tour. They need to come to me. They need to come to me, and I need to be provided a seat. You just need to provide a list of demands to all the entertainers that you enjoy and say, if you want me to continue supporting you in the fashion that you're accustomed to, you need to do the following things for I'm 47 years old now. I'm tired. My back hurts. Oh, I just... It is a problem. Remember, I think the one of the last concerts we went to was Adam Lambert, and we said, this is it. We're not going to any yeah. more concerts. But I did go see Pet Shop Boys in Chicago, which, you know, that broke one of my big rules. I had to go somewhere. I had to travel. But we had tickets that were in a balcony, so... Yeah, you had a box seat, basically, to see them. It was perfect, and it was a wonderful experience, and... I still have never seen Pet Shop Boys, so I would enjoy that. But didn't... Yeah. You went to Chicago with us, though, didn't you? Yeah, I just didn't go to the show. Oh, that's right. So... Anyway, back to our list. We're up to The Wild Boys, which was a single they recorded for their live album, Arena. It was very odd how in the middle of this album, it was like the last song on side one... There's a studio track, The Wild Boys. I think it's just be was a marketing thing too because they had, you know, come off of Seven and a Ragged Tiger with the reflex being huge. So they obviously weren't ready to do a, a whole new album of new material, so their record company probably wanted them to do a live right. album. And, and it's easier to sell an album when you've got like a new song on it. Yeah. But, so and I, but I don't think it was. A, but I'm talking about the sequencing. How it was just in the middle of the whole thing. True. It was, it was kind of, of a break. It was odd. weird. Yeah. But the video was one of those inescapable videos too. That was on MTV all the time. Yeah. And that just pushed them even further into you know superstardom at the time. I remember the first time I heard the Wild Boys. It was before I'd ever seen the video. A lot of times, the first time you would hear a song was when you would see the world premiere video on MTV. But I remember the the radio station that we used to listen to, WZPL, 99.5, here in Indianapolis, said they were going to be playing the new Duran Duran song. I just happened to hear that. And it was, it was like in the evening. So I was glued to my radio. And I just kept listening for, like, I mean, a couple hours. They never played it. That's why they said they were going to be playing it. And people listening. So it was maybe like one or two in the morning when they finally played it. And I remember, I just, I'd never heard the song before, but the second I heard that drum beat at the very beginning, I knew 
I knew it was Duran Duran and I was kind of dozing off, but I like immediately stood up on my bed. Did you have your tape recorder ready to record it at the time? I don't, probably not since it was in the middle of the night and I knew that it was going to be available soon. So I always had, like when I would listen to the radio, I always had, I had one of those little, uh, boombox type of things that had a cassette in it so you could listen to the radio and then record the songs off the air whenever. Yeah. So I was always ready in that case. Yeah, I did that a lot too. I think most kids did that. I remember the the single for the Wild Boys came out the same day that Wham's Make It Big came out because we went to Camelot Music mm-hmm. after school to get those items. The Camelot music at Lafayette Square. Mm-hmm. So, okay, our next song on the list is Planet Earth. That's Duran Duran's debut single from their first album. And um, it's just, it's a very... It's a very catchy song. Very and catchy. And it's just, a, it's an, a very important song in... In the realm of new wave pop music, and the video has new wave written all over it. And they're you know they're ruffles, ruffles and their and hair and the makeup. It's very of its time, but it's 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 a song. Just musically as a song, I think the song is is you know genius. I could listen to that all the time. Yeah, it's a really good song. So it was a it was a very good start to their career. Mm, absolutely. So now next on our list is Rio. Which is an uh, iconic, an iconic video, obviously, um, from an iconic album. Um, it's the the video. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've seen this video a zillion times. Boats, women, Antigua. Nick Rhodes is motion sickness. Has motion sickness on the boat. He's talked about that a lot and you can kind of tell when you watch the video now he looks a little bit more droll than he normally does oh so you can tell he probably did not want to be on that boat probably not but it's a fun video yeah it's very colorful and it's very 80s and it's that's those uh, handful of videos that they worked with exclusively I think was uh, Russell Mulcahy mm-hmm. who did Wild Boys and did um, Hungry Like, Hungry the, like Wolf, the Wolf he did Santa all the Prayer. he did all the Sri Lanka and the the um yeah. Antigua videos. He also directed the video for The Flame by Arcadia. Mm-hmm. He'd also directed like Betty Davis Eyes by Kim Carnes and um, to- Total Eclipse of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler. He did some Olivia Newton-John videos, I believe, too. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he's Australian. We should so. have a show about Olivia Newton-John. We should. <laughs> we love her. All right, now we're up to the side projects, Arcadia and Power Station. Arcadia had a big hit with Election Day, and then Power Station had a big hit with Some Like It Hot. I would have to say I rank Arcadia's album, So Red the Rose. I just I do kind of lump that in with just all Duran Duran music in I general, do. and it's in my top like two or three favorite albums. Yeah, that they it, well, it's funny in. on my shelves that I keep my CDs which are alphabetized of course and then within the alphabetized sections they come in order of when they're released I have So Red the Rose in chronological order just as if it's part of their part of Duran Duran but then I have Power Station stuck at the end 
And I love the Power Station yeah, I album, liked it. too. The, I like that album. Mm-hmm. But it was no Arcadia. No. Some liked it hot. Some liked it hot. I mean, it was just completely different sounding. Different. Well, and then going to another side project, which is one of my personal favorites in the, I do what I do. the entire Duran Duran canon is, yeah, John Taylor's solo song, I Do What I Do, which is from one of my favorite, favorite movies Ugh. of all time, Nine and a Half Weeks. I do what I do to have you, have you. I do it all to have you. I do what I do to have you, have you. I do it all to have you. It's way better than Fifty Shades of Grey, so you should look yeah, it up. Yeah, uh, that's one thing I can't understand. When Fifty Shades of Grey came out and all that, you know, brouhaha about it, no one ever mentioned Nine and a Half Weeks. It's because Nine and a Half Weeks had all the all the all those elements, but when they made the movie of it, they were afraid to do some of the more scandalous aspects of it. So the movie is much tamer, and I think because Fifty Shades of Grey actually depicted that activity on screen is why people were more Could freaked be. out. And it was just, you know, that was much more conservative time when that when Nine and a Half Weeks came out versus now. Well, no, right. it's pretty conservative now, too. Oh, well. That's all I have to say. So about you're that. saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying that I contradicted myself, but I don't <laughs> care. It's all right. But yeah, John Taylor did the theme song to to Nine and a Half Weeks with um, Jonathan Elias. Yeah, and then Lisa Dalbello, who records under the name Dalbello, she's a Canadian artist, did the background vocals. And she had a song I think on the soundtrack album, which was really good as well. Did she? Mm-hmm. I remember Luba. Mm-hmm. We love Luba. Luba. Luba had two songs. Yeah, she had two tracks on that. And there was like a Devo song. Brad Joe Joker. Cocker, which he's not one of my favorites, but his song yeah. is appropriate for the movie. Yeah. I forget who. Oh, Corey Hart, Eurasian Eyes mm-hmm. was on that. It was That's a really great. good soundtrack. Yeah. To a classic 80s film. Well, we're up to Duran Duran's era where they regrouped with the original members after Warren had left and um, Andy Taylor had come back and they recorded the album Astronaut, which featured the big hit Reach Up for the Sunrise, which the first I ever heard that was on Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Mm -hmm. That was kind of an odd connection to like, you know. I think they were just, uh, it was a good market for them to put out a, wasn't it a remix at the time? No, it was just the basic. Oh, okay. Yeah. But then there were there were remixes, and then Duran Duran actually performed one of the remixes in concert, like mm-hmm. when we saw them live. Well, speaking of concert, let's kind of keep up the chronology. We saw, we, so we first saw Duran Duran in 87, then we saw them... We saw the wedding album tour a couple times. Yeah. And then we saw them on the comeback tour for astronaut for astronaut and um they they've only been to indianapolis twice that so right. we had to go other we had to go to lafayette indiana where purdue university is mm-hmm. to see them and we also went to merrillville which is up in, in near Northern chicago indiana to see that tour too. you've seen them two more times i think than yeah than i mean. saw them i saw them in um, columbus ohio and i saw them in detroit with my friend Mark. That was for Red Carpet Massacre. Yeah, wasn't for it? Red Carpet Massacre. I would Massacre, have loved to have seen that show. Which that concert was so incredible. They did a whole um, 
section on synthesizers where it was kind of like very craft work influenced and they did I Don't Want Your Love and All She Wants is and it was it was by far one of my favorite moments in a Duran Duran concert ever and it's a shame that that wasn't recorded that was also the sh- the like for a video release it was that was the tour that they were on Broadway so that was very exciting mm-hmm. well after Red Carpet Massacre came All You Need Is Now. Oh, well, we didn't talk about my favorite song from Red Carpet Massacre. Oh, Night Runner. Night Runner, which I love. And I also, they had a remixing contest, and I remember downloading the stems of the individual musical elements and the voices, uh, or the, the vocals, and I made like a 15-minute night version mix. It was for a, con- a contest. Yes. They were going to pick a winner and then release it, and then we just... Never heard anything Never heard it. anything. So I emailed Caddy, who... Um, she has the Ask Caddy column on the Duran Duran website. She works for Duran Duran, and she's wonderful. And if you're listening to this, Caddy, we love you. And I love your book. But anyway, um, she... I said to her in an email... What happened to that contest? And she was just like, I don't know. It was probably something that the record company was in charge of, and then they just dropped the ball on it. Yeah. So but anyway, I had fun working on the mix, and I love that song. Their collaborations with Justin Timberlake were, it was a inter- very interesting combination for sure. Again, something else that didn't go over well uh, with the with the record buying public. True, know. but the fans loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. So. That, it's, it's a good album, and I, I still listen to it mm-hmm. a lot. So, they recorded another album after that, actually re- before that, called Reportage. They record, I think Andy Taylor was on that album, or maybe when he left the band again, it was during those sessions. But just shortly after, after Astronaut. It was right? after Astronaut. And anyway, the album's never been released. So there's there's stuff online about it you can read about it online it's, it's kind of interesting but yeah it's kind of like the the long lost Duran Duran album I don't know if it will ever see the light of day I don't even know that there are bootlegs of it hmm. so there's kind of an active bootleg community it's not something that we endorse <clears throat> but um, yeah I've never seen any bootlegs of it so if they don't want it out there it's good that it's not out there I'd say so, well, that brings us to then All You Need Is Now, which was their album of the same name that Mark Ronson produced. And it also features the epic video, Girl Panic. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's fantastic. And it, it was just kind of like a throwback to their former days of... Excess. It was like revisiting a past life. Yeah. Kind of, sort With of. supermodels playing the parts of Duran Duran. And they're almost kind of like in little cameos in their own video. So. 
So I know this wasn't a single, but on that album, I love um, "Too Bad You're So Beautiful." That solely sounds like it's in the same vein of songs from like Seven Ragged Tiger and Rio. Actually, more like more like um, Rio, I think. And Mark Ronson kept saying that he was going to produce this album that was going to be like the the follow. It was going to sound like the follow up to Rio. It did not sound like that at all. To I me. think that track does sound that, like that. I, I'll agree with that. But the, um, I don't know. It's just, it's, I mean, I, of course it's Duran Duran, so I love it. But it's not one of my favorite albums. It it didn't, it just sounded like its own thing to me. It didn't yeah. sound like Rio at all. But that's actually, just me. Actually, yeah. and there's, it's, there's not a lot of, through line on some of Duran Duran's stuff after after like the wedding album it seems like each album with its own unique product and uh, style of music like Medazzaland was a very specific sounding album and you know and then and then you get to um, pop trash pop trash and yeah they all have their own completely different vibe which is really nice in an artist that you love to see their progression there's so much variety and yeah, I, it's it's a shame that some of those albums didn't reach wider audiences. Because I think that Duran Duran have always been overly criticized from you know album critics, and um, it's just it's unfortunate because people will re- read a bad review or an unfavorable review, and they won't give an album a chance. And that's not fair. And they had a reputation early on of being all style and no substance. But, uh, I mean, if you look at the body of their work and the variety of types of genres and music and um, everything, it's pretty, you know, amazing when you look at it. Well, and the proof is that they're they're still here. they're still around because they formed in, what, 78. So it's coming up on almost 40 years, like 35 years. Yeah. All right, and the last thing on the era of All You Need Is Now is that it's unfortunate that one of my favorite groups of all time and my absolute favorite director of all time, David Lynch, collaborated on a concert film. It was like your version of your two worlds colliding the way mine did with... Yes, but it was not something that I enjoyed. It was just him trying to do... It was like a... Art the, exhibition the, combined with uh, parts of a concert. It was very the, the concert itself. Their performance. Is yeah, fantastic. the show. Their show is great, and it, his stuff is is very interesting in its own way for what he was doing. But the mix of the two. Well, it's just he superimposed imagery over what the concert. So it's like you're seeing like them perform a song and then you see like hot dogs on the grill. hot dogs in a grill over their faces and you can almost not even make out any of their the the look of the show for the most part because of all the superimposition it's just strange and i don't ever say anything i don't like to say anything bad about david lynch but it's not my favorite thing that he's done well so. and the first time that i watched it it was available streaming on streaming the internet. on the internet and i watched it on my computer which i don't really enjoy watching things on my computer i like to sit in a comfortable sofa watch it on you know the t- television so i had to sit there at my desk and watch it on the screen and i was i got so 
like car sick. You know, I had so much motion sickness from what David Lynch had done. Lots of swirling and stuff. I mean, it just, I know that, I mean, it's, it's great that they experimented and wanted to do something a little different, but well, and then, so they released the, the movie to theaters, the concert film. Yes. Yeah. And, um, so I went to go see it at the theater and I did enjoy it a little bit more at the theater. I didn't get as motion sickness or as, as motion sick because it was on a big screen. But there were like people in the audience like snickering at different parts of it. Not because of Duran Duran's performance, but because of the bizarre David Lynch, you know, things that he put on. And it has not been released on home video. Oh, and funny. Yeah, I don't know that it ever will be. Well, he'll redeem himself with the new Twin Peaks reboot that's coming out next year. <sighs> Stop talking about that. Anyway, moving on from Twin Peaks. Moving far away from Let's talk Twin about Peaks. the newest Duran Duran. Paper Gods, their 14th album. So yes, I bought two different versions of it. There is the regular special edition that has three bonus tracks. And then if you're here in America, there is a version available at Target that has two bonus tracks that's not they're not available anywhere else. So I had to buy both versions. Of course you did of it. There's but there's also like a vinyl version of it. I didn't buy that yet. Yet. And um so, There'll we'll, probably be a box set of it at some point in the future. We'll see. Too. But I, I, I love, love, love the new album. I was telling our friend Matt the other day that I've um, listened to the album so much that remember, like back when you would like play Tetris, and when you you would go to bed at night, and if you played Tetris too much, when you went to bed, when you closed your eyes, you could see like lines falling. Yeah, that's an addiction. So I listened to Paper Gods, the, the whole album, so much that. Like, for a couple days, when I would go to bed, that's all I heard, like, in my in my mind were different songs from it. Actually, the title track is just, I listen to that more than I think anything else on it right now. I'm really hooked on that. I love Last Night in the City. Mm-hmm. I love that song. And they performed it live on the Today Show. And the week. song with their surprise contribution from Lindsay Lohan. Dantophobia. Yeah, that's a really fun track. Yeah, I love that song. People are so mean about Lindsay Lohan being on that song. I mean, they they have a history with her. They know her. Apparently, Simon LeBond met her when they both were on um, Kelly Ripa's morning show several years ago. So, um, yeah. I don't have a problem with Lindsay Lohan being on it. It's kind of like... The equivalent of Vincent Price being on Thriller. Yeah, and it's, it's going to be a neat kind of time capsule thing when you look at the whole breadth of their career and yeah, something yeah. like that popping up. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just cool. kind of unexpected. and it, She has a very distinctive voice anyway, so you just have to overlook you know, her personal... Traumas. Traumas, and just look at it and... You know, Let her contribute to this. And yeah. Just... So th- this new album is so good. It's so much fun. It's very synthy. You can tell that they really had a good time 
working on it. It's all very up and it's just, it's just a great album and I'm so happy that it's been so successful for them so far. So, well, there's other things we want to talk about in the history of Duran Duran. Um, we should talk about Simon's boat. Oh, the drum accident where he capsized his boat when he was on a tour of what, what it was kind? a boat race a boat race and he capsized and nearly drowned and he was caught in an air pocket for 40 minutes inside with his, the crew and they had to be saved i was at my grandma's i maybe it was in this it was either the summer or spring break but i was at my grandma and grandpa's house for the week and i remember i had set up my little tv tray um to eat breakfast while i watched tv and my grandma always made me um, cream of wheat and to- buttered toast, and I would drink char- chocolate milk out of an Archie's glass. No breakfast meats? No breakfast meats. And Scott's a big fan of breakfast meats. And uh, so I was getting ready to to watch Good Morning America while I ate my breakfast on the TV tray. And this news bulletin comes on about Simon Laban. And I was, like, crying in my cream of wheat. And I ran in and told my grandma. I'm like, oh, my God, Grandma, Simon LeBond's, like, stuck in his boat. He's going to drown. And she was and just she was like, like, why? Whoa, who's that? Whoa, who's Simon Is LeBond? that your friend, Simon? <laughs> yeah, so I had to tell her, it's Duran Duran. It's, you know, so she was just sympathetic. She's very sweet lady. I love my grandma and I miss her a lot. But yeah, that was the only time that Duran Duran was ever on the cover of People magazine. Yeah, I remember that. Which I still have. Of course. So, um, then there's a time that I went on vacation um, to Cape Cod and I felt like I was very separated from the world for like a whole week. And when I got home, I was reading People magazine and Roger got married while I was in Cape Cod and I I was just like I didn't know he was getting married. I felt like I, you know, missed you, out on my invitation. Snubbed. Yeah, you were snubbed. It said Duran Duran, I do, I do. He's divorced from her now and wow. remarried. But he has children with that with that Giovanna. Yeah. He has like sons and they look just like him. Um, another story. Okay. So my friend Chris was over visiting at my house. This was probably seven in the Ragged Tiger era. And his mom his mom came to pick him up and sent his sister Heidi up to the house to to get him. And she came inside and um, we were in my room doing whatever. And I remember she she opened the, my door and saw my bedroom, and she said, "You have men on your walls," because I had posters of Duran Duran mm-hmm. all over my walls. So it's like, yes, I do have men on my walls. I had Duran Duran posters and Prince and Madonna, and let's see at that time who else would I, then I would have still had. Um, you had a poster of Jill Jones. Yeah, well, that was later. Yeah. I would have had some type of movie posters, maybe Creep Show. You had Creep Show. Creep yeah, show Creep Show. Love yeah. that. I had posters from National Geographic World, which was a magazine for kids. I had all kinds of animal posters 
all over my walls. I'm surprised you didn't have just cat posters hanging up all over the place. So, shut up. So my mom always called it my zoo. And then, like, over the course of time, maybe, like, a few months, the zoo disappeared, and I had... Duran Duran. Duran Duran. But I also had a big poster of the Mm Go-Go's, too. But, um... And I also had... Later, I had Pet Shop Boys, I had too. Kiss posters, too. Remember that? I don't remember that. Yeah. I think you were kind of over your Kiss phase when Maybe. I met you. Yeah, because the makeup had come off. Yeah. so They weren't as fun anymore. But, um... And I still have a lot of those posters. I mean, they're not on my walls anymore, but they're rolled up and saved. So... Um... I don't know. I guess the thing that I love about Duran Duran so much is when you're going through puberty, it's a really horrible time. And I guess you just, you you find something that you connect with. And Duran Duran always felt like a big kind of like warm comforter to me to like sit down and listen to their music just always made me so happy. Well, and you feel like it's your thing that they're, what they're doing is just for you when you make a connection like that with the artist. Um, yeah. That they're, everything that they do, they have you in mind and they're doing it just for you. Right. Which is kind of a really cool feeling. Yeah. And it just, I think there were, um, Duran Duran were so well known for being like a band that made, you know, teenage girls scream. But it's kind of been overlooked that they have a really huge gay audience as well. I mean, it just wasn't teenage girls that loved them. It was teenage boys. And now when you see appearances, you see people of, you know, men and women and straight and gay. and and, Well, you you see people with their kids. And with bringing their kids, too. So it's like carried on. They've been around for so long. But it's just like, um, I think it was on their Behind the Music episode on VH1 when Nick Rhodes made the comment that he wanted to be in a band that made music not only for girls, but for boys, too. So that made me happy. It was like the first time that we'd ever, you know, our gender had ever been recognized because they get so much attention about how, you know, they had these insane girl groupies that would follow them around. and Well, it's because their image was so glamorous and so... Uh, of of the time that you know then they were labeled that they were just posers and that all they were were appearances when when you actually listen to their music and what they were doing at the time they clearly were way more than just a look well and like all of our girlfriends would have like their favorites usually favorite they would either like nick or they would like john and no one ever said they liked andy the most and and there were people that liked um, Simon. I remember Al, our friend Alice liked Simon, and she used to draw pictures of him. Mm-hmm. But my favorite was Roger. So, who's your favorite? Um, I don't have a favorite. I like, I like them, them all. all. <laughs> so it wasn't really. I mean, I don't. I'm, I don't mean to be mean or anything, and I'm not being mean. But when Andy left the band, I wasn't terribly upset. You did not shed tears. No tears were not falling. I think, and they've done perfectly well 
It was exciting that. when he was back, and I was glad that when we saw them in concert that we could actually for the see, astronaut we tour. could see all of them together because we didn't. Huge. Yeah, we didn't get to see the original lineup mm-hmm. at the time. So yeah, that was nice. I'm I'm thankful that we did get to see them, but they seem happier now, and um, they're still recording great music and. Hopefully, it will continue for years to come. Well, you could probably keep on talking about Duran Duran for hours longer, but are we... Let's! No, I think we're done for this Yeah, let's wrap it up. Well, we want to thank everybody for uh, downloading and listening to this podcast. If you like us, please go to iTunes and give us a rating on iTunes. Give us a review and copy our link and send it to as many people as possible because that's how the word spreads also, we're on Twitter. It's I'm So Sure Podcast on Twitter. And feel free to retweet things, post from there. And we're also on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash I'm So Sure Podcast. No apostrophe. We want to thank a couple of our fans who have written really nice messages. Um, our our um, friend William and our friend Kate Terry. They've left us really nice messages, so encouraging, and we appreciate it so much. We're so happy you're enjoying the podcast and hope you keep listening. And we're new at this, and there's some flubs from now and again, but it's uh, part of a process. And We're learning. We're learning we as we We think we're go. getting a little better. Yeah. We hope we are. Yeah. And we have some upcoming ideas for some shows we're going to do in the next few weeks. We don't know for sure what we're doing on the next podcast, but since it is getting to my favorite time of the year, uh, we will be covering um, some scary movies uh, in time for the Halloween season. We typically post every week and we'll alert everyone on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram occasionally as well. So until our next podcast, this has been Scott Benson. I'm Kevin Kelly. And this is I'm So Sure. Bye. Bye. Shove it. You shove it. No, you shove it. No, you shove it. I'm so sure.